0: Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians 5. We're going to be in Galatians 5 this morning. By by the way, before I just begin, man, praise God that we have almost 20 people to be baptized this morning. Amen? Is that awesome? I want to give a shout out just to Pastor Trey. I know most of our... Uh, people that are going to be baptized today are young people in our student ministry, and I just I want to just give uh, honor him for the work he's been doing. He's been doing a great job with our young people, and just so excited to see so many young people take that step of obedience in their faith. Well, today we're going to be in Galatians five twenty two. It's the fruit of the spirit, and this is one of those all time great passages in scripture. Uh, but it kind of makes it makes me reminds me of uh, when a good picture of the fruit of the spirit is is like when you're trying to teach your kids chores, and every good parent teaches their kids how to work. Amen. And you want them to learn how to work, and to, so you give them chores to do. And I remember when, you know, when your kids are young, you give them small chores, and as they get bigger and older, you give them more responsibilities. And I remember when we're taking, uh, Liz and I were teaching our kids how to clean their rooms or clean the dishes or sweep the floor. One of the things we would teach them to do is, okay, here's how you clean things. And, and invariably, you know, especially around that middle school, high school age, you know, if they had a responsibility to, all right, I want you to do the dishes, you know, they would take the dish or the plate, they would scrub the brush over the dish or plate, but doesn't. and then they put it away, but doesn't necessarily mean that the plate was clean, right? I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever had that when you teach, give your... Or, or they, they're moving the broom along the floor, and they're collecting certain things, but after they're done doing it, it's not clean. Or, or you say, go clean your room, and they spend 30 minutes inside their room moving things around... But well, when you go in there, it's still a mess. And usually when you confront them, "Hey, I, you know, we want you to clean the dishes or well, I I I I wiped them down or I was I cleaned my room." Yeah, but the outcome you were doing the activity of cleaning, but the outcome isn't it's clean. And it doesn't matter if you were scrubbing a brush on a plate or you're moving the broom along a floor. The end result is that you do that so that things look better on the, uh, at the end of it. And I think a lot of... Wow, we got some... got some, The Spirit's moving already in the room. And, and I, I think one of the things that we tend to do when it comes to our spiritual life, our walk with God, you know, God has this desire for us. And what we tend to do is we evaluate ourselves on whether or not I did the activity. Now, doing the activity is good. I'm glad that you're moving things around. But if the outcome isn't there, then you're not really doing that. Then what's the point of the activity? And so for many of us, when you think about our life, our walk with Jesus, we can be very active we can we can come into church this morning. We can feel really good that we're here and we're not at home or we're not in bed. That we are, you know, we've read the Bible this week. We've opened up scriptures and maybe we've read the Bible or we've prayed or we've done some kind of other religious activity. But the problem is, is that you can do a lot of religious activity, but never produce the fruit of the Spirit. Never have a life that shows that your life has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so one of the things that I think is really important for us as we look at this passage this week is to look at why this is in here. The whole point of this passage is that if we go up earlier in Galatians 5, Paul says, "I want you to walk according to the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh." And so Paul has been sharing, he's been sharing this new series. Remember the first part of the book is all about hey, I don't want you to to trust in the law or your works or your own effort to save you. It's by faith in Jesus, in the gospel that justifies you, nothing else. And so he lays out the foundation. We spent months on the pure gospel, but now Paul's saying the last part of his book and saying this, if the law doesn't save you, and even the law doesn't make you righteous, then how do we please God? The actual working out of our salvation What does that look like? And Paul doesn't say, hey, go back. No, now go back to the 613 laws. He doesn't say that. He says, what you need now and what you have now is you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you that now it's not just about 613 laws to obey. It's now a million opportunities to follow and walk with God so that you are looking like Jesus would look in your life. That is what God is doing. And so the fruit of the spirit, that this idea of now it was, it used to be the argument was works or faith, law or gospel. and now it's spirit or flesh. And so if we are going to walk according to the spirit, and if we opposed to the walking according to the flesh, we have to know what that looks like. And last week, we looked at, um, you know Pastor Dan did a great job talking about the works of the flesh, talking about, If you're going to live according to the flesh, it's going to look like this. And 15 things. It wasn't an exhaustive list, but Paul gives an illustration of what your life's going to look like if you don't live according to the Spirit. And so now he's giving a list of nine things. Nine fruit of the Spirit. This is if you are going to walk according to the Spirit, it will show there will be an outcome. There will be evidence that God is changing you. He's transforming you. And so for many of us, I think when it comes to our own walk with God, we can get frustrated because we feel like, hey, I'm doing the actions. I'm doing some activity, but I'm not seeing fruit. And you can do a lot. Here's the here's the most dangerous thing that you can do as a Christian is you can fool yourself into believing that just because you're doing stuff, it will equal the outcome of the Spirit's work in your life, and that's that's a very dangerous place to be. And what Paul is confronting is this understanding of it's not just about a list of rules and regulations, just keeping you know checking the box. There's something deeper. There's something. More spiritual dynamic in your life that will produce something that only God can produce. And so, the main idea I want to give you this morning is this that the gospel plus the spirit plus you equals fruit. The gospel plus the spirit plus you equals fruit. If you're going to walk according to the spirit, then it's going to produce something in you that when the Spirit of God applies the gospel to your life, and when you are walking with the Spirit, it will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Guaranteed. Okay? Because I think one of the dangers that we have when you look at the fruit of the Spirit is many times we get overwhelmed, like, oh, this is just another list. And we can turn this into just another, okay, we gave up the 10 commandments and now we got the nine fruit of the spirit and it just feels so overwhelming. That's not what God wants you to feel. That when God is working in your life, when the spirit of God takes the gospel of Jesus Christ and works it out in your life, it will produce fruit. Okay, so this morning we're gonna look at the picture of fruit, the producer of fruit, and then the practice of fruit. The picture of fruit the producer of fruit, and then the practice of fruit. So the picture of fruit is something that that again, when you look at the word of God and you're reading it, many times we 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 just we don't go with the flow of the letter. But again, this would have been read all at one time. So when Paul says, "Hey, I want you to walk according to the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And the works of the Spirit are against; they're contrary to the works of the Spirit, or the uh, a way of the Spirit is against the contrary to the ways of the flesh." And so. And you see the first thing that Paul says, these are the works of the flesh. I think Paul uses works for a reason. He just says previously four chapters saying, works don't save you. But then in verse 22, what does it say? Look look again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, one of the things I've always taught you guys when I preach the, the word to you is that you have to learn how to ask the Bible questions. So here's the first question that you should ask yourself when you're reading this text. Why does Paul use fruit instead of works? I mean, it makes sense that you could, you could, you could read this text and say the works of the flesh are this and the works of the spirit are this. So why does Paul use fruit. There's a reason for this picture that he wants you to see. This word fruit is a loaded term Okay? And so if you're trying to discover what this word means and why is he using this letter or this word, we gotta follow the string. If you pull up the string, and let's follow the string in the Bible because there's all kind of hyperlinks to this word fruit that it gives us an idea of why Paul used this word. Okay? So if we're gonna keep pulling the string, the first string we're gonna lead us to is Jesus. Jesus talked about fruit a lot. If you just use your concordance or Google or use a blue letter Bible search of fruit in the New Testament, one of the persons that talked about fruit the most was Jesus. Jesus talked about fruit all the time. One of the most famous passages, write this passage down, John chapter 15. I want you to go check out John chapter 15 some point this week because so much of what this passage talks about with the fruit and, and the fruit of the Spirit, it, it, its roots are in John chapter 15. But in John chapter 15, what does Jesus tell his disciples? In the upper room, before he goes to the cross, he says, you, I want you to abide in me. And when you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And he, and he ends this little discourse by saying, you will glorify God by the fruit that you'll produce when you abide in me. So there's this invitation of Jesus saying, listen, you need me, and the Spirit's going to help you abide in me, for apart from me you can do nothing. And so he is laying out this picture of his followers when he leaves, when he left and went to the cross and ascended to heaven. He is showing us, if you really want to become like me and follow me, your life will produce fruit. He said this in two other places, Matthew chapter 7, Luke chapter 6, when he talks about how you can tell someone, what they are like by the fruit that their life produces. He says that out of the heart, your life will produce fruit. And so if you have a bad tree, it will be bad fruit. A good tree will produce good fruit. And so the whole point that God or that Jesus is trying to say is you can tell what kind of person someone is by their actions, their behavior. This is what Paul is talking about. We also see it, him talking about fruit uh, a little bit in the parable of the seed and sower. When he says when the seed of the gospel falls on good soil, what does it do? It produces, right, fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. Those were supernatural, you know, harvests. Most people would see four, 5 times the amount. That would have been amazing. But to see 30, 60, and 100-fold, that would be supernatural. So the picture that God is saying is this fruit is supernatural in your life. So Jesus talks about it, but here's the question you gotta ask. Why was Jesus, why did Jesus use the word fruit or this picture of fruit a lot? Okay? Well, if we keep pulling up the string, where does it lead us to? It leads us to Psalm 1, one of the greatest psalms in, in, in the Bible, where at the beginning of the book of Psalms, he says, Listen, blessed are they who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Who do not uh, sit or do not, not stand uh, it, it with, with sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. What shall he be like? He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, bearing fruit in its season and his leaves will not wither, and whatever he does, he will prosper. There's something about this picture that the Bible uses about a tree producing fruit. This will be like a man who's following God, who's loving his word, who's living out the commandments, okay? Well, then why did the psalmist use that picture of the tree? Let's think about that picture of the tree again. Tree planted by rivers of water bearing fruit. It doesn't wither. What what does that picture remind you of? Let's keep pulling the thread. Where does that lead us to? It leads us to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. The Tree of Life. What happened in the garden? What, What is true about the garden? What's true about the garden is that that is where God's ultimate desire was on display for us. That God desired to walk with us. God's desire was that we would be made in his likeness that we would represent him, that we would be fruitful and multiply, that we would exercise dominion, that we would partner with him, and that we would walk with him, and we would display his glory to creation. See, the reason why Paul is giving this fruit, fruit is a loaded term. This word fruit conveys God's desire, God's ultimate desire for you in him to be partners in life. For you to display the glory of God, that you display what Jesus is like. That's why he uses the picture of fruit. God is giving, Paul's giving this word because he's casting a vision for what your life could be like. You know, one of the things that Liz and I do every once in a while, we'll do these home projects. And, and, uh, you know, my wife is definitely the one who's more visionary in our home. And so many times she'll come to me and say, hey, I've got an idea, right? And, and usually my first thing is, okay, how much is it going to cost and how much time is it going to take? That's what I'm thinking. And, and, and so many times, but, but the vision, the vision of saying, if you could see what this, this room could become, can you see what this, we could do with our yard here? And if the vision for something beautiful is captivating enough, what do you do? You're willing to dig holes and, and plow fields and you're willing to, to paint things and tear down things and renew things. Why? Because the vision of what is present now, vision of what's greater than what you have now is drives you to do that thing. And that's what God wants to do. He's trying to captivate your heart to say, I want you to see what I see. I want you to understand when I look at your life, I see what it could be. I see what your life could be when I'm walking with you, when I'm forming you, when I'm shaping you. I see what you could be, Christ living in you, the hope of glory. I see the vision. Do not look at this list as, oh, just in love. Oh, my goodness, that is so hard. Right? Joy, peace. I mean, you, know, you have those moments where you get the, the, that bill in the mail, Right? And you're like, I thought we had health insurance. Why do I keep getting bills? And what happens inside of you in those moments? You know, the, you start losing your joy and peace. You see, this is not just a list of things like, okay, I gotta do this. No, this is about a, a vision of what God has for your life right now that He wants to produce in you. And so I, I don't want you to look at this and become overwhelmed by this is so hard. Because life is so hard and people are so difficult and I've got issues and I'm battling my flesh. No, I, it, because if you have a vision for the beauty, the beauty that God has for you and the glory he wants to produce in your life, then you're willing to do the things to get to that place. But it's driven by a different, it's dri, it's, that's not driven by I have to. It's driven be, by I can't wait to see what, what this looks like. That's what. That's the picture. That's the picture that I want you to have. That God wants you to have when you look at the fruit of the spirit. So that's what the picture of the fruit is. The second thing we have is the producer of the fruit, the producer of the fruit. Now this might seem really simple, but it's called the fruit of the spirit. Okay, not the fruit of you, which means that you cannot produce this fruit by yourself. You don't have the strengths and ability. Go all the way back to what Jesus said in John chapter 15. He's talking about them, he invites them to abide in him because he says, Apart from me, you can't do anything. You cannot accomplish. You can't grow. You can't just come to these things. You can't do it on your own effort. You can't do it on your own will. You can't, can't do it on your own work. It takes a supernatural working. Remember the the description of the Holy Spirit I gave to you two weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in us. God's empowering presence, that it takes God's presence in you to supernaturally produce these things. And so it is God who's going to do this work. Which means, what does that tell me? It tells me a couple things. Number one, there is a dependence on God that I need to have. There's a dependence. If, I, if it's all about him, it's, if he's the producer of me, I am dependent on him to produce these things. I cannot do it on my own. I can't just try. It's not just me being active. Remember this spiritual activity. It's not just me reading my Bible. It's not just me praying. There has to be the interaction of the Holy Spirit reading the Bible with me. It has to be the Holy Spirit helping me as I pray. It has to be the Holy Spirit coming into this room that I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to let me hear and listen to what He is saying to me in this moment. It's not just about activity. It's about partnering with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit to do these things. And here's the thing, when you're dependent on the Spirit, when you look at these things, Here's, here's the thing you got to remember. Fruit takes time. Fruit takes time. And you, this, the producing the fruit is going to be a work of the Holy Spirit. If you're dependent on him, think about just a tree. And I've got a beautiful picture I want to show you. Because in my yard, I've got a fig tree. And my wife and I planted this tree, I don't know, five years ago when we bought the house. And I love going out to this fig tree. I love figs. There is nothing like a fresh fig off the tree. And as you can see on that little branch, there are about a hundred of these little hard green figs that are just waiting to ripen. And I go out there every single day. You know why? Because I don't want those blasted ants to get them. Because the moment they get ripe, man, those ants are on. But, but it takes time. and it's, I, When I think about this passage and I think about this tree... I think about that there is a there's a process involved. If I pulled that, if I pulled that unripe fig off of that tree this morning and brought it in, and you were to take a bite out of it, what would it be like? It would be hard, it would be bitter, it wouldn't be enjoyable to eat. But when the Spirit of God produces the fruit in the right conditions, time, right? submission, that there's this this working of him in our lives that eventually these things will happen. They will be evident in our lives. You can guarantee it. And so many times when we look at this, we feel overwhelmed, like, oh, I've got all this work to do. And yes, there is a working out, but remember, we're working out from the vision of what God wants out of love. But the other thing is we know that we need to depend on him. We can't do this on our own. Because listen, you try to do, you try to live out patience after a while, then you got to deal with people. You ever been like, I'm going to work on my patience. And then you go home. Or you wake up. And there's just this, there's this challenge to our lives. You know, I want to, I'm going to be more joyful, right? And then bad news happens or something happens with your kids. And the joy goes down. And there's this constant battle in our lives in knowing that I can't do this on my own. I will have limits to all of these things. Which is why, as much as this God Spirit produces in us this fruit, which shows to us our dependency on him, we have to let him define these things. Because if I try to define love, or if I try to define joy, or if I try to define gentleness and faithfulness, according to my own definition, I will not produce what it's supposed to look like. It will be a perverted form of what it's supposed to look like. It's not the fruit of Ben. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so how do I, we have to let Jesus, and when I look at this list, it shouldn't come across to us as like, okay, these are the things I need to do, or the things I need to be. The first thing that we should see when we come across the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the first thing that should smack us in our face is this is God. This is God. This is Jesus. And the reason I know that is when you, when you again, read the scriptures, you see this fruit on display throughout the, the, the word of God. For example, in, in John chapter 15, what, is, what does Jesus say? He's like, you don't know what love is apart from me. This is how this is how this is how you'll know what love is by when someone lays down their life. This is the word agape. This idea of self-sacrificial love. It's the epitome of love and Jesus displayed the ultimate his ultimate love for us by going to the cross, by paying the penalty for our sins, dying for our works of the flesh. And rose again from the dead. And so one of the things he says in this, he says, people will know you're my disciples by the love you have for each other. Jesus defines love. It's more than a feeling. It's even more than actions. It is the epitome of sacrifice. And that is who Jesus is for us. Right? Then look at the next one, joy. What does it say about joy? That John 15, again, talks about, I want you to have fullness of joy. I want my joy to be your joy. And what's this joy that Jesus had? It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. There's this joy that Jesus had in life to accomplish salvation for us to attain the ransom of his blood for the gift to the Father, saying, these are the people I've bought with my life, with my blood. This is the people of God. There is joy that Jesus had in that. And then you have, what do you have next? You have peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. See, he has come to bring peace between mankind and God this is who Jesus is. Jesus is patience. This is in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is patient towards us, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. There's a patience that God has. He says, I could give you judgment. I could give you justice, but I withhold my wrath, and I withhold my justice because I am patient with you, and I want more people to repent and respond to me. God is the one who's patient with us. God is kind. We see Jesus' kindness on display throughout his life. We see Jesus' kindness and his tenderness when he's dealing with the outcast woman at the well, having a conversation with her, giving her the dignity that she so longed for. We see the kindness of Jesus talking to Zacchaeus in the tree, saying, I want to come to your house. I want to be close to you. We see the kindness of Jesus confronting Peter at the shore in the open coals and saying, let's come back to where you denied me. Well, I want to restore you. We see this kindness of Jesus willing to give people the second, third chance, or even a first chance. This is the kindness of God. We see God's goodness. We see his grace on display where in Jesus says every good and perfect gift comes from God the Father. All the gifts in our lives, all the blessings he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 1. That we receive the goodness of God. God is a God of goodness. And he wants to display that through his grace. God is faithful to us when we are unfaithful. That his faithfulness to us, that when, even when we fall and when we fail, that he is always pursuing us. One of the most beautiful pictures of this, one of the hardest pictures of this, is when you look at the story of Hosea and Gomer. This man who's a prophet who marries a prostitute and the woman goes away over and over and over again to false lovers. And God says, this is the picture that I want you to give to my people. I keep going back to the prostitute wife and keep bringing you back and keep bringing you back because I'm faithful to you. We see God's meekness or his gentleness. And that that word better, I like the word meekness better. This idea of strength under control. Jesus said, come to me all who are who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why? Because I am meek and lowly of heart. There's this, something about Jesus that he, he had this power, he had the strength, but he used the power and strength to love others. And then lastly, self-control. This is the idea that that God acts in accordance with his character and nature. And I can't think of a greater act of self-control than when Jesus was on the cross and he was being mocked and beaten and scorned for you and I. And yet he let the nails hold him there. And he gave his life for you and I, even though he had the power and the authority and he had the right to come off that cross, call a legion of angels to, to to create justice on this earth. He could have. But instead, he withheld what he could have done so that you and I could have salvation. When you think of the fruit of the Spirit, I want you to think of Jesus. I want you to think of God. I want you to think of the gospel. Because this fruit that is, that is on display, it's, we see it in him. We see that how the gospel tells the story of this fruit. Remember what I said, it's the gospel plus the spirit, plus you, equals fruit. The more we see God being the God of joy, being the God of peace, the God of kindness, and we see how he has been this God for us and how he pours himself out this way on us, then, and only then, will we have the aptitude and the ability and the desire to show it to others but make no mistake, it is is the Holy Spirit that produces this fruit in us. That leads us to the last one, and that is the practice of fruit. The practice of fruit. Now, here's where most of you are thinking, okay, how do we do this? How do we do this, Ben? I mean, you just describe the picture, the vision of what God wants. His desire for your life. You've given us this idea that it is God who produces this; it's Jesus who defines these things. But let's just get real. I have a life to live, and there's things on the on these this fruit this list of fruit that there's some I might do somewhat well, and there's things I don't do well at all. And so what we've got to do is, we got to, I want us to look at this and just talk about it a little bit. Remember, I said, if the gospel is at the root of these, this fruit, then I want us to see how this, the gospel leads us to living these things out. Now, when I was doing my study, there's a lot of different people that put these fruit into categories. And one of the things that's interesting about these fruits is, um, you know, uh, they are, in the Greek, they have three words that end with, the, the letter A, three words that end with ace, and the three words with end in another form. But it's, you know, it's a kind of, Paul gives it a rhyming way. And so he's, you know, playing this out in the Greek. We just don't see it in the English. But I, I don't think that, I think that there, I call out four categories. I see four categories of fruit here. And again, this isn't not inspired. But the first fruit I think is, should it stand alone? It's the gospel root. And because this, love, if you're not loving someone, you can't do any of the other, the, the other eight, or the rest, you know, things that even aren't mentioned. Love is, takes primacy here. It is because of the love of God. If we do not have the love of God in our hearts, we don't have the love of Jesus in us, we will not have the desire or the ability to do this with consistent, to do the rest with consistency. And so we are always confronted with the love of God in ourselves because the love fuels everything else. So it's the root of everything else. If you have a problem with joy and peace or patience or goodness or, or whatever it is, it's, there's, there's an issue of love in your life that you have to confront. How am I not loving this person? How am I not being a person of love in this moment so that I can show them the patience that they need? Okay? Okay. So love is at the root of all these things. And then joy and peace. I call that gospel reflection. Gospel reflection. And it's interesting when um, the words joy and peace, these terms are used, there's six times in the New Testament when the writers of the Bible put joy and peace together, which is interesting. But joy and peace are together because I believe these are the state of, this is the state of being that we find ourselves in, when we reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we reflect on the fullness of what God has done for us, we reflect on the forgiveness of our sins, when we reflect on all the blessings we have in Christ, when we think about the fullness of what we have in Jesus, that we sh- it should always lead to some level of joy and peace in our life. And what... What's fascinating about joy and peace is these are the things that you typically, it's the roller coaster, right? Like it's a, it's, you know, I, I've, I'm joy and, I've joy and peace when things, when, when life is smooth, when circumstances are great. But when life is hard, when things do happen, when, when there's tension, right, in my relationships, then I can lose my joy and peace. That's not the way the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that joy and peace should be consistent through our lives Consistent in our attitudes at all times. And when we're done with our Gospel Transformation Series, we're going to do a six-week study on on an issue, and I'm going to call it anxiety and joy. When I talk to most people today, they have a a lot of worry, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety that people have today. And the foundation for this series is in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. When Paul says, "Rejoice in the Lord always," and again I say, "Rejoice." Let your reasonableness be made known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. And do not be anxious for anything, but in all, or in anything, but, but in everything, let your prayers, uh, your requests with supplication with thanksgiving, make them known to God. In the peace of God passes all understanding. Right. So you have this passage where you have joy and anxiety in the same passage. What Paul's saying is, if you're pursuing joy, then you can stop being anxious. And so we're gonna we're gonna take six weeks and look at anxiety and joy and how they play themselves out in our life. Because I think there's joy is one of the hardest things in life, hardest things. But it's possible, and it's possible because of the gospel. And the more we think about the gospel, and the more we let the Word of God, the the you know the reality of who Jesus is, fill our hearts and minds we're able to have a level of joy and peace no matter what happens in our life. The third section is gospel relationships. Patience, kindness, goodness. These are the things that we enter, how we, they're on display fully, and then when we interact with each other, right? This patience is God's long-suffering with us that, man, I have expectations of you that you're going to do something, and when you don't fulfill what you should do, it frustrates me. My desire for you to be this certain person or my desire for us to do these things. And then when we have to wait on someone because they might not be as mature as us or spiritual as us, or they don't have enough kind of, the fruit's not there, we get really frustrated, right? And patience, this idea of, yes, I, I, you're not where you should be, but but I I believe that God is working. I'm trusting in the work that God's doing in your life that I don't have to stress out about it. And then kindness, you know, patience and kindness are found in Scripture together five times. Did you know that? Five times patience and kindness are together. And really, kindness, I believe, the best way I can describe kindness, it's God's compassion and action. God's compassion and action. That, yeah, I can be patient with someone, but I can also have a bad attitude when I'm doing it. And I've got to be patient, And while I'm patient, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to show people the kindness, not that they deserve, but the kindness that God has shown me that I never deserved. And then it's goodness. I'm going to do what's good and right and true in all circumstances. And then lastly, gospel regulation. This is the idea of the Spirit in us, working in us, that we are governing ourselves in a way that we're never you know, we're never too extreme. You know, we're never living out in our desires or our passions but, I, okay, if I'm committing to something, I'm going to be faithful to it. This idea of meekness, I'm, going to, I'm not going to necessarily use my strength for myself, but for others. And the self-control that I'm never going to lie. You know, one of the things that you, one of my prayers every single morning when I wake up is like, God, align my desires to your desires. Because, because I never want my desires to take over my life. When I let my desires happen, it's, it's the works of the flesh. And I want my desires, I want the faithfulness, gentleness, self-control to happen as I'm aligning my desires to the Holy Spirit's desires. And when I do that, I can see the Spirit working in me. I'm able to say no to things I normally would say yes to. And why I'm able to do that? Because it's a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit. So when these things start bearing fruit in your life, you know, who do you give the glory to? You give the glory to God. It's nothing you've done when you when you when you you know when you stop doing things that you used to do when you're like I used to be this person and now I'm this person then why why could you stand up and, and, and say that because it's the work of God in your life and now in the Spirit when the gospel and the Spirit and you are working together and you're walking in the Spirit it's going to produce the fruit. And we need people that don't look at this list and be like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I've got all these things I've got to do and I've got to please God in these ways. No, there's this joy that you have to produce this fruit because you want God to be glorified in this earth. You know, my wife and I, we've been to a couple uh, farmers' uh, markets the last couple weekends and we went to one in Davidson, went to one in Hickory yesterday. And, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see the different, you know, tents and stations set up in those places. And um, we're always on the lookout for good, clean, organic vegetables and fruit that we can buy that we know don't have any bad things, no sprays. And, and so, um, but what's interesting is when you go up and talk to some of the people that have these booths, you can tell the people that are there because I'm just trying to sell my produce, right? Like, I, this is a business. This is a job for me. This is, you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with growing crops and selling them. But you can tell this is a job for them. And then there's certain people when you, there and usually it's my wife, Liz, who asks the questions. She'll be asking questions, question, well, how do you grow this and what's this? And, and you can see when, they, when you start asking these people the question, the people that love, love farming, the people that love the, the actual work of producing the fruit, what happens? They, their face lights up. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about this variety of garlic. Let me tell you about these potatoes, right? And they, they're able, they just, it flows out of them. They, they do it not just to make money. Money's a byproduct. They are growing this vegetation because they believe that growing clean, good food will make the world a better place. And there's a joy they have in sharing that goodness with other people. You see, when we walk out of this room, we're gonna have a lot of choices to make. But the last thing I want you to do is look at this list of fruit and feel overwhelmed. Or, or I like let's just go through them, let's scrub the plate. Okay, I'll be joyful today. What the world needs to see is people who are producing this fruit because they love their Savior so much. Because they love others. What did Paul say earlier in the chapter? You will fulfill the law by loving others as yourself. There there should be this sense of we we get to do this. You know, we talk about the bless initiative and and things that we want you to to, to bless others and and the people around you because the world needs to see people who are are, uh, Jesus on display. The world needs to see this. And what we need to see more than just okay, I'm going to do this because it's what God wants me to do. It's doing this because you love God so much, because you can't wait to show people the patience. And so the outworking of this, again, it's in a million ways, and as you're walking with the Spirit, it's going to show up in a million ways. Which leads me to the application. And we'll go through this quickly. The application, just a number of things that, that I would say, okay, so how do you do this, all right? The first thing I would say is take inventory. Take inventory. Look at these Nine fruit, and again, this isn't a complete list, but take a look at this list and say, okay, what is lacking in my life? Where is the evidence in my life that things are not what they should be? That there's actually more works of the flesh in my life on display than the fruit of the spirit? And if I, yeah, I've been active, I've been doing spiritual things, but I don't see any fruit. And if you, really want to, you know, if you really want to take inventory, take inventory with your spouse. Because they'll tell you. They'll tell you where they see these things. Ask the people around you who see these. Because the fruit of the Spirit will always be evident. It will always be evident in your life. First of all, take inventory. Number two, refresh your heart and mind in the gospel daily. Refresh your heart and mind in the gospel daily daily. If Jesus, if Jesus is the epitome of this fruit, that we see the love of Jesus on the cross, that we see the joy that Jesus had for us going to the cross and going through the cross for us, when we see the peace of God that we have because of his death and resurrection, when we look at all of these things and see Jesus and we remind ourselves through the gospel every single day, then we will have the fuel and the desire to do these things. But we can never try to do these things apart from the gospel. Daily refresh our, we need to daily refresh our hearts and our minds and what Christ has done for us. That's number two. Number three, invite the Holy Spirit to do his work in your life. Invite the Holy Spirit to do his work in your life. You know, when my wife gardens, we got a lot of things growing in our backyard, we all kinds of lettuces and tomatoes and Peppers and all kinds of things, and this is something that's true. She goes out there every single day to do her garden thing. And if there's a plant that's in that's distressed, or something's not growing, or or a, a worm is eating it, or something's happening to certain things, what happens is b- the bulk of her time out in the yard in the garden is going to be trying to make fix this one thing, to clean to to bring that 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 whatever vegetable or root vegetable whatever it is up to par with the rest of things that are growing well and that's what the Holy Spirit does when you invite him in when you say Holy Spirit come on and look at what's going on here you tell me what we need to work on first you show me what I need to do in this moment and let me tell you the Holy Spirit he will help you See, it's, it's bigger than the law. It's bigger than the 613 things. And again, Paul ends this sentence with, against such things there is no law. The law will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit does. And so it's the, inviting the Holy Spirit when you wake up in the morning into your life. It's, like, it's, it's inviting the Holy Spirit to as you're driving to work. It's, it's walking with the Holy Spirit when you're in your workplace. It's walking with the Holy Spirit when you're with your family. But it's in all these moments Or what do I say here? What do I do here? That when you're walking with the Spirit, even in this moment, in this room right now, the Holy Spirit's saying, this is what I want you to pay attention to. How are you doing it? Invite the Holy Spirit in and let him do his work. And then lastly, keep walking it out. Keep walking it out. Keep walking it out with the Spirit. Listen, here's what I know. This list, I've got work to do. I, I'm not, I've not arrived. That process, there's some, there's some buds on the trees. There's some, there's some green, unripe fruit in my life. But I do know this, that, that the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit is going to be working. And there might be things in your life that you feel like, man, I just keep struggling with this. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Because if you keep walking with the Spirit, He will produce in your life the person he wants you to be.